So I'll offer a short reading this morning. This is from the Sangyutta Nikaya, the linked or connected discourses. And it's a 45th book and the 12th Sutta from the Magga Sangyutta. And to be brief, this is a time occurs when the Buddha had spent uh, a three-month retreat, self-retreat, in seclusion. He wanted to uh, enter that same place or mind or whatever that he realized at his enlightenment. So in a way, he'd kind of returning to that Sambodhi experience. Mm. So you can recognize that the Buddha experienced the results of his clarity, of his release uh, through his life, but actually the, to return to that moment, he had to went into seclusion and, oh yes. You know, you know, so from the Nibbana with the elements, the Nibbana without the elements. <laughs> anyway, so having spent his three months, because I've been dwelling in part of the abode in which I dwelt just after I became fully enlightened. I have understood thus there is feeling with wrong viewers' condition, also feeling with subsiding of wrong view as condition. There is feeling with right view as condition, also feeling with the subsiding of right view as condition. Then he goes through each of the factors of the Eightfold Path, which uh, I won't go into, but uh, the last one, of course, there is feeling with wrong concentration as a condition. There is such a thing as wrong concentration and wrong mindfulness. The feeling with wrong concentration is condition, also feeling with subsiding of wrong concentration. The feeling with right concentration and a feeling with the subsiding of right concentration. Feeling with desire as condition, also feeling with subsiding of desire as condition. Feeling with thought as condition, also feeling with the subsiding of thought as condition. There is feeling with perception as condition, also feeling with the subsiding of perception and feeling. When desire has subsided and thought has subsided and perception has subsided, there is also feeling with that as condition. There is effort for the attainment of the as yet unattained when that stage has been reached, there is also feeling with that as condition. Hmm. So, we might return to that. But um, feeling is obviously very universal. <laughs> yeah. So even in that sense of complete attainment, or there is a feeling... Or it can be felt.
So ask us to, in a way, examine or get interested in the nature of feeling. Mm. We, f- we feel all the time. And, uh, you know, feeling comes through body. There are only two bases, the body, bodily feeling, sensitivity, and mental feeling. There's heart. Mental feeling is called heart. So there's no visual feeling, no tactile, no gustatory, no olfactory, no ear feeling. And yet these can serve as bases because with the ear listening to something, the heart can be moved, delighted, excited, irritated, feels. So all the other senses feed into the heart. So this is why, of course, it's uh, you know so interesting and so salutary to recognise how you know one person can delight in camembert cheese, another person finds it revolting. <laughs> somebody likes Tchaikovsky, and somebody else thinks it's totally boring. It's clearly the it's a different uh, heart, and we recognise that heart shifts and changes and it's not um, universally uh, geared to the senses that is sense contact can give rise to heart feeling pleasure or displeasure so in a way it's unreliable and as you all recognize something delighted you when you were eight years old 35 50 years old it doesn't doesn't get anything moving and certainly if you do a few decades of meditation practice all kinds of things that seem to first of all arouse very strong feeling pleasure, delight or aversion doesn't happen so that that's significant this is about mental content isn't it a thing happens, contact arises, mental contact arises, there's some kind of shift. Right? And then that because of that shift, contact, when it touches, there's a rush, a shift, and that causes feeling. Now we may think, of course, it's the banana that's delightful. But no, it's not the banana that's delightful, it's that shift in the heart. That shift to change of gear lights up or doesn't line up. This really <laughs> gives us a very good focus because the world of the senses is diverse and baffling. How can it be that this thing that I delighted in, you know, last year now bores me stiff? What happened? What went wrong? Get another one. And that changes too. How come this person who I thought was so wonderful, now I've just seen, I see all the irritating features of it, this person? How did that happen? (laughs) So we always, the confused person always goes around trying to shift the objects, the person, the banana, (laughs) the music, (laughs) the weather. (laughs) So the bewildered person is always struggling 
trying to change the world around so that the pleasant feeling will happen rather than unpleasant feeling. And the Buddha, this is just, you get so frazzled and agitated and disappointed with that. And confused, why doesn't it work? Get another one, get more. No, 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 that doesn't do it. In fact, you know, what happens, uh, a confused person hasn't really seen it as it is, a heart becomes shaped, constricted, constricted. It's kind of, it closes around feeling and it gets excited, agitates, energy pours into it and rushes out of it. And we, the unawakened person takes that experience as agreeable. That kind of rushing through of excitement. And of course, you know, so want some more. Because the heart isn't properly open yet. It's constricted. It's still hanging on to something. Searching. So when that exciting thing happens, there's a feeling, oh, bored. The heart doesn't know itself doesn't realize itself. It's always seeking its agreeable qualities through something that isn't even there. You can't put those things into you. you know, it's just a habit that wears out. You know, being stimulated. How long can you keep being stimulated by the same thing before it becomes tedious things the same or it's the heart it's changing and you see the uh, bewildered state of people who are, have no understanding at all just got to keep ramping up the stimulation yeah. more and more stimulated or even aggression becomes stimulated. People delight in aggression because it gives that passion rushes through the system. Aggression and brutality can give people pleasure. Torturing animals give people pleasure. And aggression towards other humans can give rise to pleasant feeling. I mean, you know, this is serious, isn't it? Since we all feel that pleasant feeling is agreeable, but it's uh, extremely delusory <laughs> and not just, but actually not just dangerous. This is why a wise person sees danger in feeling. So you don't feel anything? No, no, not quite that. No, it's not that. No, you don't feel anything. But you feel your heart open, close. You feel it on fire. Or you feel it cool. You feel it suffused with kindness and compassion, integrity and concern. Or you feel it running, rushing after passion. Mm. 
and you know which is better. You know, which gives rise to the longest lasting, agreeable condition for your welfare and for the welfare of others. And long-term happiness and so on. And as a support for understanding, because as the Buddha makes clear, even understanding is felt. Subsiding a wrong view, arising a right view is felt. Realization is felt. What is this? Well, it's not mental content anymore. It's the shape. You could say, you know, excuse my words, it may be confusing, but think of the heart having a shape. Just as a metaphor, you might say, and how broken and scattered and tangled that shape is when it's stuck into the buzzy, exciting, jangling, here, there, now phenomena. Maybe a person doesn't even recognise it. It's so jangled and broken up. But then what is it like when it settles in integrity and goodwill? Oh, it feels open, spacious, unconstricted. Oh, yes. Yes, that, that definitely feels wider, cooler. That's, that's agreeable. Mm. The shape has changed. It's not the content. So we're looking at feeling based upon <laughs> the shape of the heart, when the heart is restricted or unrestricted, attached or unattached. As the Buddha says that the Tathagata dwells with unrestricted citta, unrestricted by aging, sickness, death, unrestricted by defilement, unrestricted by the five aggregates, unrestricted by suffering. So aging and death happen, heart is not restricted by it, not tangled in it, not lamenting, confused, bewildered, broken up. Perception happens, heart is not excited or fearful, perception. Now this, you know, we may wonder at that, some of these very deep and intriguing and sometimes mystifying statements. So it encourages us perhaps to investigate feeling. Feeling based upon content, which is a certain phenomenon arises. Feeling based upon what I'm calling the shape of the mind, heart, when it's expanded, nature of the heart, you could say, when it's not wavering, when it's, when it's deeply established. Mm. Oh yes, just the, even the moment when we throw off the hindrance, ah, oh, relief. The moment when we drop something, you know, an entanglement, ah, oh, 
relief, fresh air. Mm. You know, household life is a dusty dwelling, cramped, open road. Ah, fresh air, openness. So this is the kind of thing you should delight in. Mm. Whether that's figurative or however you put it. Something that definitely deeply wants to burrow in to our cosy patches and comfort zones and nooks and crannies and so forth. <laughs> you know, disappear into our cup of hot chocolate or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, content, content. And so it does require good deal of discernment and skill <laughs> to actually wait a minute just that sense of not being bothered by it one way or another oh yeah even as an idea <laughs> that would be good even the idea of not being cons- not being addicted would be good <laughs> yes so then faith arises it's a possibility and then inquiry, how could that happen? And then certainty, yes, it does happen. And then the arising of faith, the strengthening of faith. Now these shifts are energetic shifts, you know, to do with heart energy. Anything that moves is obviously dynamic. You feel that rush when you step on something painful, that's bodily feeling. Hmm? And so zing rushes through you, doesn't it? An energy that rushes through you. Do you feel that wrench when something you love passes away, rushes through you? Something you delight in happens, rushes through you. This feeling is an energy that runs through. And yet, mm, there can also be that sense of, you know, when something has passed, risen and passed, oh, we're in a place that's timeless, not bound up with circumstance, feels secure, steady, Mm, that feels good. In this way, we begin to cultivate things like ethics, recognizing that the pull of gratification and so on, however exciting and pleasant that can be, is so temporary and so distorting to the heart that there's the ability to to step back from it conjure up that possibility to aspire to that is already inspiring and there's a feeling to that that others do it that it can be done there's a path to it this gives rise to an agreeable feeling which is returning 
straight to the heart. Encouraging, you can do this. Others do it. And these qualities are universal. Whereas somebody might like bananas or not like bananas, everybody likes enlightenment. (laughs) Guaranteed. Nobody ever regrets it. (laughs) Everybody enjoys letting go when it really happens. Nobody says, oh, I want to hold on again. That's universal. So we exchange the temporary and the for more lasting. By referring to that which is affected by feeling, to the heart itself. What's it like when it gets pushy, grasping, aggressive? defensive, closing down to stop those unpleasant feelings happening. Other people drive me nuts, so I shut them out. Just get so agitated. How does that feel? People numb out. How does that feel? Is it possible then to recognise, you know, depending on particular karma, you know, people there's heart has sensitivity towards the presence of others, sounds, sights and so forth. I mean, actually, then it needs to be not shut down but moderated. This is the arising of that feeling. Step back, find your heart, let it pass through. Don't stick it onto an object. Don't think it's her fault, his fault, their fault. It's not even your fault. It's something you have to be responsible for. Yeah. And we can use, as I said, suggested, you can, once you refer to the energies, you can begin to use your, your embodied energy to stabilise. Just... Just incline your attention back to how it's affecting in your body. You can do that. Incline your attention back to what's happening in your skin, in your belly, in your throat, in your fingers, in your muscle tone, in your heartbeat. And referring to that, widen your attention over the entire bodily field, feeling the entirety and that feeling dissipates the emotional feeling dissipates releases it's possible to do it's a matter of shifting learning to understanding how energy operates energy is the second of these indriya faith is the first energy is the second and Clearly it's about effort, but it's not the same as effort. Energy is a basic universal quality that we all have. And if it's not handled, it can run around every which way. It has run around every which way for generations, lifetimes, who knows. And so it's often habituated. Particular vortexes of it. 
spinning vortexes or tight contractions. Yeah. Mm. So the energy needs to be steadied, breathing, steady, cultivating Brahma Vihara, cooling, steadying, opening, not closing it down, but moderating it by referring to the overall shape of the body, the felt sense of it, the overall shape of the heart, the felt sense of that. Mm. The bodily feeling, it said, is only so much you can do about that. Even Buddha's experience, unpleasant bodily feeling, unless they're in some extremely attenuated state of consciousness. Most of us are going to feel bodily feeling. But it doesn't have to be the heart feeling, lamentation, sorrow, stress, agitation. Because hearts are much more, eventually a much more fruitful base than the body. You know, bodies die, heart doesn't. It goes on. So it's, it goes on. So you take this matter very, give it appropriate attention. Not about geography, not about social society, not about other people, it's not about identity, it's not about food, it's not about what other people think of you. Just, you know, get off topic. <laughs> Understandably these things can agitate, but Get back to what is possible most directly. Mm. And so the energy of the heart is, of course, caught up with karma, with habits, with what's happened to you, what you've been involved with, whether you've been abused by or confused by or addicted to or something or the other. And so it's used, but also energy is mental energy. Mental energy is the ability to use your reasoning. It takes energy. And instead of just spinning out on a whole another narrative, which is what will happen if you don't use and handle your mental energy, it just spins out into stories based upon the heart feeling. Or you can say, no, wait a minute. Grab hold of it. What's happening? What's the feeling? And what's the shape? Where's the body in all this? Mm. It's content. Content from which one can feel compassion, certainly. Not just poo-poo, so what? Fancy getting caught up in that. No, it's not. You're pathetic. It's a sense of, yes, the heart does get caught and it hurts. So, compassion, mudita, rejoicing when it's gladdened. Not you shouldn't be attached to this, that and the other. No, when the heart is gladdened, we feel gladness in our teachers, in the Dhamma. You know, hopefully. <laughs> uh, shouldn't be attached to a teacher, shouldn't be attached to the Dhamma. No, we say, well, check it out, you know. 
you can notice the effects when the heart teaching or a teacher or a practice helps you to drop suffering, you should feel some sense of gladness. Mm. The heart is open out of that fever. And a wise person discerns, ah, that teaching, that perception, that helped. Ah, that's what it is. You take it back. You gain authority. So many of us actually need leading there by situations, by structures, by teachings, by practices, leading to that place where, oh, some teachers don't make it very easy. You know, give you a hard time out of compassion to lead you to that place where something can drop. Mm. Often life gives you a hard time <laughs> till finally you think, just let go, will you? You know, that person you call my daughter is not mine. <laughs> Stop worrying and fretting. Just, it's that. Mm look after this and you do her a favour and you do yourself a favour by being less fretful and stirred up and you know. so a big source of <laughs> heart constriction is of course self-interest isn't it we may think it's sights and sounds and so forth but the dominant what dominates them all mental feeling and the leader of that is me (laughs) this is mine my view my opinion my right my place nobody tells me what to do it's mine my life mine 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 how does that feel say it a few times Notice what happens. Make it really simple. Simplify it. Feel like that. clamping, clamping, clamping. How does that feel? How does it feel owning up to the truth of the matter? It's actually not mine. That mind sense is a kind of constriction that the heart does out of desire for security, defence, or desire. So we're not really trying to get rid of a self so much as understand the mechanisms the heart does that give rise to that sense of ownership, possession, and identity. And that can be released. And that feels great. personally experienced directly experienced that feels great what happened energy of holding intensifying fighting resisting leaning reaching out relaxes 
Why? Yeah. Thought it was going to be painful. I thought it was going to make me miserable, but actually, oh. That feels good. Hmm? It's like when you go to Bindabar sometimes on town, you get some group of young guys come by. What are you doing in? What are you up to? Arms, what's arms food? <laughs> what do you do? Are we meditate? Yeah, but what do you do? That's oh, sweet, you know. You watch telly? No. Don't eat in the evening? No. No telly? No. Have sex? No sex. What? No sex? No, nothing. Get on? No, nothing. Oh, you must be nuts. No. <laughs> Feel good. <laughs> oh, goodness me. What is that? You know, just can't get it. <laughs> It's bewildering <laughs> because their mind is so used to content can't conceive <laughs> of the release from content as being other than just despair, boredom, dropping into the bottomless pit of nihilism. You don't feel anything. I wouldn't say that. No, you feel the delight of release. Ease. You've understood, and understanding is not just conceptual, but an energy has shifted. So we cultivate, to cultivate inquiry, it has to be done vigorously, steadily, persistently. Where's this happening? What's this do? What's the effect? You point, you place, we tucker, you in- investigate, you sense. Vichara. Ah, how's that? Pause, linger. What's happening? How does it feel? And then that mind of faith. Do you think it might be possible to just relax on that one? Okay. Oh, feel good. After a while, it's no longer a surprise. It always surprises you the first time. I can't, I can't possibly get by. I can't get through a day without a cup of coffee. No, that is madness. A day without a cup of coffee is insanity. Oh, I did it. You know, people who can't, I can't switch off my iPhone for ten whole minutes. I go mad, utterly mad. <laughs> Just try it. And instead of that, just focus on breathing or walking. Yeah, feel your body. Oh, I can. It can happen. Yeah, inquire, investigate. See the danger. See the danger. See the possibility of release. Follow it through. It wouldn't, if it wasn't good for you, the Buddha wouldn't have taught it. If you couldn't do it, he wouldn't have taught it. If he didn't, wasn't, didn't know himself and it wasn't the truth, he wouldn't have taught it. Because it is the truth, he teaches it. Because it is good for you, he teaches it. Because you can do it. <laughs> <laughs>
he teaches it. Otherwise he wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> so it's up to us to apply our energy. Yeah. Investigate, turn the mind around. Turn the heart. Get it to look clearly. And then the, use your body to stabilize. And then all the disparate concoctions of thought where there are incredible possibilities and too difficult to get perspective on. Every kind of thought of could and should and possible and ought to, and maybe they think this, all that comes down to agitated heart. Oh, that's all it is. Oh, heart with no real foundation. Oh, that's not the end of the story. You can have that stabilization. Where did you get stable? Then look again. Where's that all that concoction of thought gone? Just dandelion seeds blown in the wind. All that turmoil of emotion, what does it come down to? I don't want, I don't want, I can't stand, I don't want, I want to get out, I can't, no, this is too much, I can't. Okay, what's that feel like in your heart? Where's your body? Where's your walking? Where's your standing? Where's your breathing? Can be released from. Mm. Mm. Feels good. This is why we cultivate and can know for ourselves. Not through theory, but because eventually <laughs> the heart just presents it to you straight. Tells the truth straight. Feels good. Is good. It's good for yourself, good for others. Therefore, we cultivate it. So the arising a right view, oh, it could be seeing conditionality, seeing causes and effects. Oh, it's not just an accident. It's not just I am something. This arises because of cause and effects. Therefore, there could be skillful causes and effects. Oh, right view arises. Oh, feels good. Right attainment arises. Yeah. This is release, the heart is unconstricted. Feels good. This is the way we know directly for ourselves. So we cultivate energy, cultivate with energy, we cultivate so we have right effort and we gather and collect our energy from just running around, going out, proliferating this, that and the other into steady presence. And then you have the tools, the capacities, and the domain for awakening. So let's take our time and cultivate as is appropriate.